Scotty, it's another year that we've been together. It's a, a time of resolutions. And so I think it's time for you to say that you are going to resolve this year to be nicer to me. Well, okay, let's just analyze this for a moment because, okay, good technical point here. At what point in a year does it become unacceptable to say Happy New Year? Uh, Well, certainly not as late as we are now in January, today being the 12th. Even the dog, as you can hear in the background, is shaking her her neck, you know, in, in disbelief. I guess so. If we are in still in acceptable periods, say Happy New Year, that's still acceptable periods to be making resolutions. So my resolution is for 2018, John, I will be slightly nicer to you this year than I was last year. This is why I continue to have hope. So, Scotty, uh, you're back in the U.S., which is why you're, you are, as you would say, sat next to me. Actually, as we would say in America, you are sitting. You are actively sitting here uh, next to me, and I'm so happy to have you here. Um, we haven't spoken in a while. Uh, I won't say it's because you haven't edited the last show or because you don't love me or because I have unresolved issues towards you that I'm trying to work out here as we are doing this recording or anything like that. But what say you? I think what you're trying to say, John, in your usual lovely diplomatic way is we've recorded several shows and I'm a lazy shite and not edited any of them. And so you are hoping that as this is now um, the new year, January 12th, still with the news resolutions, that um, this time the results of you talking to me, which I know you only do when there is a microphone on and under no other reason at all, otherwise we would just sit here in total silence, um, may see the light of day. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping this one will. That is true. I do have hopes. But uh, I also have uh, cold, hard reality. And so let's start off the new year with something that that we've learned today. Would you like to hear something I learned recently? And then you can do the same and share something you've learned recently. John, as we know, you're the only one who actually does any real work around here. (laughs) You feel free to share what you've learned because, um, yeah, I, I may have learned nothing because, as you know, I'm an old man who doesn't change. That's true. So, uh, my gosh, uh, I've, I have at various points in the last year or so given my love to various classes that have saved my butt uh, over time. And Stack Views are definitely one of them. I may have sung Stack Views praises at various times in the past, but my gosh, if you are retro, retrofitting a view controller that had only ever been designed for one orientation, Stack Views are your friend. Um, and that's something I've been working on recently. I can't say exactly why. Uh, but suffice to say that a number of view controllers now have to work both in portrait and landscape. And uh, since we've been able to support stack views, it made my life so much easier because you could basically take an existing zip file, which would have views that may have been pinned left, you know, next to each other uh, and just shove them, you know, select them embed them in a stack view by default ib continues to do a miraculously good job but the important thing is that the stack view if you make an outlet to it uh, then you can do things like change its its uh, fill order from horizontal to vertical and that goes a long way to getting what you need to have done done and then whatever method you do for adjusting it for the current orientation you can then call that method 
during the, the, the method that gets called on your view controller as your view controller's view will transition to a new size. So instead of talking about rotation, um, which is the old way of you used to do with it, but now, you know, as we all know, view controllers' views can change for a number of different reasons. The most common case is rotation, but there's also the case where you may be on an iPad or an iPhone 8 Plus, for example, a tablet, where somebody may uh, change the rotation or kind of move in from, from one edge to another and, and cause your former view, which had been taking up all the screen, to now have, let's say, two-thirds of the screen. But anyway, this method, which gets called on your view controller, allows you to uh, make changes as part of the animation block. So it's buttery smooth as you rotate. It's not just that it does a, a kind of a grotesque change from one state to the other. It just, it does a wonderful thing. And if you have views which are uh, contained within a stack view, they will both rotate at the same time. And so they may have been sitting, you know, next to each other, left and right, or leading and trailing. And then maybe you want to stack them up when it goes to portrait. It does those things. And then when it goes from portrait to landscape, they both kind of do this synchronized swimming rotation. It is a glorious thing. So whoever worked long and hard at Apple uh, to work on Stackview and make them do what they need to do, thank you very much. See, I'm trying to remember back <clears throat> to when Stackviews were introduced because I, I agree with you. Stackviews are the they are amazing. I mean, they excite me in a way that is probably inappropriate for a married man. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember when they were introduced that I don't actually think a huge deal was made about them when they were introduced. I mean, yes, they were introduced at a dub dub probably, and there was probably a, a session on them somewhere. But there was no like, you know, remember when UI Collection View was introduced and everything was UI Collection View this, UI Collection View that. I seem to think that, I seem to remember, and I could be totally wrong here, that stack views were introduced and they were like, yeah, yeah, and we've added stack views. But actually, I think they have changed, you know, um, some of the way we do things to an extent that they, they, if we could go back in time, we would give them a bigger fanfare. You know, they, they would have the, you know, the floating gold glitter and the, and the, and the firework display of, and here's stack views, because um, I agree with you. They just, um, and this is not just on um, iOS, but equally on macOS, mm. just if you have a, particularly when you have a layout that may or may not contain a view, because mm. the point is, if you make a, if you make something in your stack view hidden, it just sorts itself out and, and, and works in a way, because it obviously it's designed to work with auto layout and work really well. They are just one of those underrated, incredibly well-designed pieces of code that make our life easier and yet there's a whole team out there that have not had the glory they've not had the, the spotlight shine on shine shone shown whatever on them um whatever so we say stack you team glory to you I'm going to actually name names because I do remember the first time I ever encountered a stack view and it was when I was working on on watch app because it, I, I I don't know whether it's he who, you know, the person who actually wrote the code or was credited with doing it, but Kevin Lynch who was the ex-CTO of Adobe who you might remember was the recipient of Steve Jobs' rather scathing letter uh, thoughts about Flash and he was the kind of the one who was defending Flash. Did you say leather? You meant letter, didn't you? Letter, uh, yes, I did say letter. Or I thought, you said leather. I, I thought letter and said leather said being overexcited as a married man. exactly you into thinking about leather. scotty what's your safe word <laughs> stack view stack view not paddle view stack view <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, what is the sound of a bunch of, of old-time radios being switched to another station? That's what we're hearing now. But anyway, uh, so yeah, Stack Views, that was first introduced with, with WatchKit. And I remember that. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. And I remember kind of uh, talking with a colleague who was a big you know, flash des- uh, software engineer. And he just kind of smiles and is like, no, we've had that for a long time. <laughs> because, because that was one of the things that Flash had to do because Flash existed you know, long before you had watch and TV and desktop and and mobile, that was one of Flash's big things. They basically said, we have Flash runtimes that run everywhere and we have a UI you know, layout set of widgets and, and, and frameworks uh, that could adapt to that. And so that technology, that approach to solving these layout problems came with it really from, from, from the world of Flash. So thank you, Kevin Lynch. And to all the Flash software engineers out there who said thanks for catching up with what we had 10 years ago, all right, you were right. Okay, well, I, I think we should maybe explain with the noise and everything going on that we're actually just really, the budget of this podcast is now so low that we are sharing one handheld recorder to record this, um, basically because I forgot to bring my stuff with me, but there we are. And one dog. Uh, and we are sharing a dog here, but um, she, she's behaving herself. But, yeah. but, but, but why do we always, why do podcast dogs always wear rattly collars? I guess it's so they, they appear on the podcast. Anyway, um, okay, so what have I learned this week or this year so far? Okay, I have learned that my hatred for bindings is still valid on on Mac, Mac OS or OS 10 when I do it. Um, I converted a code base this week from Swift 3.2 to Swift 4, um, which in its own right is not you know necessarily an issue. These Swift converters do a good job, and it's definitely not the same pain as going from one to two was or anything like that. But there are a, a few things that change between Swift 3 and Swift 4. Um, such as Swift 3 used to uh, automatically add a bunch of stuff in the background to allow Swift uh, properties and methods to be accessed from Objective-C, in other words, part of the dynamic runtime. And, you know, this was cool and it was very convenient. Uh, for I have a dog's tongue in my mouth. Um, <laughs> It just says this is just too much for the new year. Um, so, uh, yeah, this was all very convenient, but obviously someone somewhere probably correctly made the decision that, you know, actually it would be more efficient if you had to say that this has ne- needed to be called from Objective-C. Because if you're using a, you know, a, a, a just a whole Swift code base and you're not necessarily interacting this code with Coco so much, then, you know, why add this overhead? To support the runtime. Um, now, this this support in Swift 4 is added through adding the um, uh, object attribute to a method or a property uh, as you do it. Now, of course, the Swift converter on the whole goes through your code and looks at stuff and adds these attributes to your methods and your properties and, and does it all for you. But of course, what it doesn't do is find strings that bind to these properties in storyboards or zips or anything like that. And of course, Okay, so no big deal. You have to go through find that. But of course, it's bindings. Your app builds, your app compiles, your app will go out there, but it crashes at runtime. And that's the issue to me. Stuff like you know, KVO, KVC, and the bindings, it doesn't crash until runtime. That just is bad. Um, so, you know, the, the problem was fairly easily solved. You just search all your storyboards, you look for the strings, as long as you've got something like object value dot, 
you could normally work out what they are and, and support them out. But, you know, here was something that was using bindings, which was saving a little bit of code, but not massive amounts of code um, that was, you know, caused potential things. And I went through them all, but I missed one. And so we put a build out and someone was just trying it and crash. Why? Because I've missed one of these the bindings of central object C. So basically the Objective-C runtime was saying, you know, this class doesn't support this property. The property was there. It didn't have the Object-C attribute on it. And it just made me hate bindings even more. Um, I've always disliked bindings, even since becoming a Mac developer for the very, very first time back in mid-2000s. I hated bindings. Um, my first sort of Mac coding ever to do was to fix some bugs on a reasonably large Mac code base. And it was all bindings, which have made it easy for the developer to do. But for me, as the person trying to fix bugs, was was horrible. So my resolution for the new year has been bindings are still bad. Bindings are very bad. Children, don't use bindings. Use cocaine, use heroin, but don't use bindings. Good. The numbers are, are actually while you've been, you know, giving this delicious story, I kept thinking, did I press the button all the way so that the numbers are moving forward? And I didn't want to interrupt your flow and say, Scotty, did I press record all the way? But indeed, I did. So I'm glad that we captured all that. Uh, well, and I think you're right. When I, well, but you know, speaking of safe words and bindings, I think bindings are really all about torture and crashing very quickly, but very dynamically, because that's what you always hear about about kind of why. Bindings bindings are, are good. My, uh, my experience with bindings were not that bad. Um, and so I appreciated them, but I can definitely see that when you combine that with, with, with that new Swift uh, feature, it would be a deadly combination. What say you, Amy? She's silent on the matter. <laughs> yeah, I think, okay. So when uh, UI kit was released, um, a lot of Mac developers um, made the point about bindings not being there. Um, you know, I think bindings, yeah, and there was lots of speculation where bindings not there because they just hadn't had time to implement them. But it was Coco. KVO was there. Um, you know, KVC was there. It was using nibs. So I think actually not introducing bindings to... Uh, UIKit was a statement in its own right and a conscious choice of, 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 of yeah, this stuff was was okay, but you know, it, it, it don't get me wrong, actually, it is incredibly tempting to use, especially when you're messing around with you know the monstrosity of NS table view under under Mac OS, which you know, I mean, you if you think UI table view is bad, you know, just go and spend 20 minutes with NS table view, and you will think that UI table view is the most beautiful thing you have ever seen in your entire life, in comparison. And that's even now when it's a lot better than it used to be. Um, you know, bless AppKit, it's a bit old and decrepit. It's you know, it, it's it's like your grandmother trying to be sexy. It really doesn't work very well. <laughs> it's. Uh, it's um, it, uh, it, it's trying hard, but it, it just actually makes you feel a little bit sick. <laughs> That's why I'm wheezing, because I'm just picturing, you know, people, various people's grandmothers, especially me, since I'm known to have dressed as a grandmother at, at NS conference. <laughs> Think on sexy thoughts. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher in the rain. No, wait, John Fox dresses <laughs> as, as Graham Lee's mom. <laughs> Anyway, those were the days. Those were the days. 
All right, so aside from uh, giving up bindings and uh, singing the virtues of, of stack views, um, uh, have you been following the whole story about these various kind of uh, security, uh, what was Spectre, what was the other one called? Oh, I can't remember what the other one was called. There's the one with the, um, uh, the pre-execution on the yes. Intel chips, yes. um, which we're all now going to have to pay somewhere, apparently somewhere between a 5% and 30% performance decrease at some points in ROS. I guess I, um, the last I heard, and I, I'm really not very up on this, um, Mac OS is apparently not going to be hit that badly. There will be a performance hit because when you start doing software things to stop chips doing things, but my understanding is you know, Linux is going to get a fairly hard hit in certain areas, but I think Mac OS is is going to be really okay. But I'm, I'm talking from a totally you know ignoramus point of view. And, and the other security flaw was... I can't remember the other name from it, but um, that's because I don't follow. Well, actually, I, I don't follow it so much as I'm bombarded with it because I'm part of a a, a, a group chat and I only kind of taken a, a little look at it. But it's uh, it is a sad thing. What made me think about it was it was this this kind of predictive execution. Two possibilities. We'll do them both, and we'll cancel the one that's not the case. And I thought, if only you could do that in real life. Yeah, it's. I think you know the, the reality is 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 interesting is maybe these things are and as important as they are and I'm glad there are people you know hopefully in the Mac OS team especially um, and who are taking this stuff very seriously and doing it you know as even as developers you know as, as technical users of our our laptops our desktops there's really nothing we can do about it I mean this is not one that we can actually um, really there's no procedure that someone's going to come along. Well, I don't believe there is. Maybe people are totally wrong. There's no procedure people are going to come along and say, well, just you know, make sure you put an extra uppercase letter and you know, extra character of some form in your password and you'll be safer. This is just a, a flaw that has been around for an awful long time. Um, the reality is you know, this is working on the part of a chip design that has been around for a, a, a long time and if the chip manufacturers have genuinely only just discovered this flaw and are now having to look to change designs going forward to change it, we are not going to see a hardware resolution to this, I would guess, for at least three to four years, because that's got to be the turnaround time on new chip design. Probably so, but I think it's... Uh... I think it's something that uh, Amy is very concerned. Amy's the name of my dog who's been sitting here patiently, sat here patiently, waiting to, to probably be taken out for a pee. Um, so not to say that that's a, a transition point in our podcast, but uh, you remember when we used to have sponsors and we used to uh, sing the sponsors' uh, praises by saying, sponsor, 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 everybody loves sponsor. We had occasion to be able to celebrate one of our former sponsors, Jonathan Freeman, who we all love, and his birthday passed and, and we were trying to remember the name of his company have you remembered it now stony silent something base something form something whatever if that was, his product. that was his product what was the name of the company feces i can't remember it uh, we can edit something in at this point <laughs> company a anyway all right so uh we're going to bring this uh boat back to harbor unless you have something other specific you want to say sub modules Go. Let's hear your rant about submodules. No, no, no. Actually, I'm I I introduced submodules to a project this week again. Um, 
I, I I've got no problem with submodules, but I've just been a while since I'd used them, and they, I, I think they can confuse people. Um, but yeah, and, and let's not talk about it. everyone. Everyone's had to use submodules, and they use them at different points. But uh, I wanted. I thought we are a one hundred percent Swift project. I you know, and I broke some code from the project out into a framework, an external framework. Um, and I wanted to, you know, we then had to sort of, uh, I was going to hand control all that framework over to someone else, but wanted to include it in the main application. And I thought, surely this is the right time to look at the Swift package manager. And I think I'm the only person who's looked at the Swift package manager in the last year, because <laughs> based on its current progress, <laughs> um, let's say it, it's not ready for prime time. Um, uh, my understanding is if you're writing server-based Swift where you're not having to deal with Xcode projects and all this sort of stuff, uh, it, you know, it's it's being pretty commonly used. But for, for the sort of, you know, Xcode project, iOS project, macOS project stuff, yeah, not ready yet. And I'm just, I'm just you know, if, if there's anyone out there who is genuinely using the Swift package manager to control a desktop app or an iOS app, I'd love to hear from you because I was looking at it and I thought, this really isn't ready for real use. And I just want, I would love to be proven wrong. I'd love someone to say, no, no, no this is how you make it work. Um, but uh, yeah, so I had to use submodules, um, which are okay, apart from I couldn't remember all the syntax for everything all the time. And, you know, it took me a, a day or two of, you know, getting things wrong until it all came back again. But uh yeah, there we are. I guess it's just because I've not used them because, you know, people use uh, the package manager tools and whatever else, and I just hadn't used them for a while. But there we are. It just reminded me that um, Git is an arcane tool, and um, as long as you keep the incantations going and uh, and you maintain your religion, then you're okay. But if you uh, you deviate and lose the faith, even for a little while, then it comes back and gives you a good kick in the balls. So that's your safe word. Give me a good kick in the balls. <laughs> All right, well, Scotty, if somebody wants to give you a good kick in the balls and they want to contact you on the internet, how might they do that? Well, uh, they could um, use uh, Twitter, which is where all good kicks in the balls happen to, to people, uh, where I am, MacDevNet, or, of course, they can contact both of us by um, um, emailing. That's the thing that's been around for a little while now, isn't it? Emailing us on uh, feedback at iDeveloper.co, where we may even read it. And if you want to... Uh, Tell me that, that that I'm far less interesting than Amy the Wonder Dog. You can do so on Twitter as, by reaching to me as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, just like the West African drum. Okay, so this year, John, we are going to try, mind, try and maintain a regular schedule. Uh, and by regular, I, I mean we'll do some. <laughs> uh, we, we weren't great last year. We, we were on and off, um, so we're going to try. But we'd love to know what you would like us to talk about, if anything, uh, because we're happy to just sort of pretend we know about anything that you write in about so um we can always uh, sit here and uh, and talk about anything until the cows come home as we would say so please do get in touch with us and uh, thanks for listening and until next time you take care <laughs>
I think there's like one little bit of silence that you can edit out of it. Other than that, as long as the audio is not, it should be fine. Yeah, most of the editing is is dealing with. Um, is it stopped now? No. <laughs> most of the editing is dealing with background noise and stuff like that. Yeah. I can't read this. I can't read it. There's no light. You just press record again. No, I don't know. I don't Okay, so maybe I'll leave this in. This is this is how good we are with technical equipment. That I don't know where the stop button is on this. How, how long have you had this, John? Not long enough. At least the whole of last year. Okay, the reality the reality is we recorded seven hundred and fifty four episodes last year. Well, I did. John managed five because he didn't know how to use the recorder. Oh, you were cheating on me with someone else. Let's not go there. You're the one who cheated most last year. Casey Liss. Oh, shit. That's true. <laughs>